Welcome to the Witness and Persecution Podcast with Nick and Ruth Ripkin, where we equip you with biblical principles and practices from believers in persecution to help you cross the street and cross the ocean with the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm your host, Anthony Ball. We have Nick in the studio today, and we have a very special guest joining us. And I'm not going to steal his thunder, so I'm going to let Nick uh, do a little introduction. But for the very first time on Witness and Persecution, we have a guest with us, and it's going to be a wide-ranging, uh, very authentic, <laughs> honest conversation about church, ministry, pastoring, missions, uh, kind of all the above. And so, uh, Pastor Tim from Fruit Cove Baptist Church in Florida, we're so glad that you joined us today. Uh, Nick, I'm going to let you take it away. Give us um, give us some background, uh, not necessarily why you're here, but why Tim is here, and um, kind of take us away and, and kick off this conversation today. Well... And wanting to have full disclosure, Tim and I are both rednecks. From he's from Eastern Kentucky. I'm from sort of North Central Kentucky, and and uh, this is uh, I don't have a better friend in the world than Dr. Tim Maynard, who for the last thirty years has been pastor of the Fruit Cove Baptist Church. And uh, uh, Ruth and I met him and Pam and their kids on our first furlough. Uh, we had been five years on the field. We came home, wore out from uh, South Africa and apartheid and, and did about 90% of a doctorate. And I sat by Tim in those early classes and we just bonded and, and uh, started visiting uh, his church uh, there just south of Louisville. And uh, that little church took us under their arm and they sent us a, a, a care package Every about every month they, they did that, and, and then uh, they moved down to uh, Fruit Cove across the river from Jacksonville, Florida. And uh, uh, Tim probably swears it's not true, but I know it is true that he, he, he went to a little brick church of a hundred people, 101 people, and uh, out of that hundred that voted for him. Uh, to be their pastor, 99 voted for him and one voted against him. And he's been looking for that one person for 30 years. <laughs> so, not going to leave know, till I find him. Either. Not going to leave till he finds him. And, 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 and I remember uh, we came home on that furlough and, and they had us speak at the Southern Baptist Convention in Orlando, Florida. And Tim and Pam kept our, did you keep all three boys? We did, yeah, we did. Well, then uh, our youngest was just, two years old he was a, something he was like a little that one. he was a little one yeah and and they just took wow. them for the whole week to let mom and i go down there and speak and and play around in in uh orlando a little bit and and i remember later on pam calling us and, and or we were talking somehow and, and she said you know when we were at the little church in kentucky we used to send your care package every month now that we're at a church that's growing quite big uh, we've never sent you anything. So we sent them a list. They passed it around their Sunday schools. And no lying, they sent us three pallets, shipping pallets, with stuff on it, Kool-Aid, popcorn, uh, chocolate chips, cookies, uh, enough Kool-Aid to color the Indian Ocean. It was three foot by three foot by three foot, about four foot tall. And I was called in to the Ministry of Interior of the government of Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, telling me why I was starting a, uh, a, a business in secret without applying for the proper 
uh, uh, papers and permission because honestly, on those three pallets that the church sent us was more than any store in Ethiopia had at that time. It was just awesome. And they, they actually sent me a note that it was shipped to UPS in Addis Ababa. The only one problem was Addis Ababa didn't have a UPS. <laughs> so I had to track it down and track it down. And I finally found it in customs at the airport. Uh, they finally decided to release it when I described to them what we were and what we were going to do with it and all this good stuff. And, and uh, uh, you know, that's, we had been on the mission field quite a long time when that happened. And, and I went to the airport. And they had taken all that stuff out of three pallets, thousands of things, and was reading and making sure in Ethiopia that nothing was expired. <laughs> now, I, I don't point any fingers at them, but I don't know that I ever got medicine that hadn't been expired for up to a year. And uh, the, the only way, the way you knew that the medicine was good is if you had side effects. But anyway, we, 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 we called the workers and, and, and told them what we had. And we had all this stuff in the garage, uh, carport outside our house. And they came over, 30, 40 of them. And there was the biggest feeding frenzy you ever saw. And we charged them a dollar a pound of the stuff that they took with them to help pay for the customs. But that, that's, that's the kind of fun things that we've done. But, you know, I learned from Tim, uh, Ruth and I did, how to lead our teams in hard places. And we would tell people that were in our office on our support team, when people called in from Mogadishu, when they called in from northeast Kenya, when they called in from southern Somalia, when they called in from Djibouti, if they ask us to get them a pink elephant, we would say, yes, we will do that. And, 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 and then we would put down the radio and look at each other like, how, how are we going to do that? And if it was just impossible, later on we would talk to them and say, we've moved heaven and earth, and maybe one out of 50 times we just couldn't meet their needs. But they just knew when they, when they called uh, needing to know that somebody cared that we at our office and, and, and uh, at our support place, were, we were going to say yes. That's what Tim and Fruit Cove have done for us for 30 years. Well, for Tim and mm -hmm. Pam, 30, 32, 34 years, is that when we called and say uh, we're wore out, uh, we're, we, we, we've spent our last dime, we, we have nothing to buy uh, uh, resources with, uh, Fruit Cove, their answer was, don't worry about it. We've got you covered. And it was always a yes, and they all uh, never let us down. And so it's my mm. joy to introduce uh, 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 my best friend, Tim, to you all. And, Tim, what do you remember about how we first got together? You know, I remember sitting in the doctoral class and thinking about how boring it was until I got to know the guy sitting beside me. And I thought, okay, I think I'm going to be able to survive this. It was not a real exciting class, if I remember, but you brought some spice to it that I thought, okay, I like this guy. And I remember I started traveling with you as you would go around to different churches, different places around Kentucky, talking about your time in South Africa and, uh, 
you know, and I did it partly because I just like hanging out with you, but it started digging deep into me that, okay, this is what missions looks like. This is what missionaries really do. And, uh, and I had not really ever been exposed to that. So my, my biggest takeaway, my biggest educational point in my doctoral degree, I believe was just going, Oh, this is what a missionary is. This is what it really looks like. And to watch you guys and get to know you guys was just the greatest gift I could imagine. So it has been a joy just to, uh, do that. I remember, uh, I remember both of us trying to sit around and figure out how to get our doctoral projects typed and all those kind of things because those were pre-computer days. And so it will be, uh, you know, it's just, uh, it was a great, great time. Uh, I didn't know, I didn't know I was going to end up meeting my best friend in that, in that time. So it was, it's really been a joyful journey really has been. So we had a uh, one class on member care, pastoral care mm-hmm. and, and uh, they they didn't ask me. They told me to bring Ruth to the class, and they had all, everybody else. They told Ruth and I just to be still, and they mapped all the pastors there on all the stresses uh, in, in being a, a pastor and leader of a church. And 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 again, for me, that was the hardest job I've ever done because I just wasn't meant to be that. And mm-hmm. and you know, uh, out of out of a level ten, a lot of these uh, uh, men. Uh, I don't think in those classes we had any any ladies. Uh, uh, you know, their stress levels were somewhere between an 8 and a 10. And then they uh, ask, start asking questions of Ruth and I of living under apartheid, living in a black homeland, having to go through all of these border posts and being uh, uh, semi-arrested a number of times, uh, asking me why we love black people and uh, and, and black townships that we were affiliated to, uh, some weeks, 260 some people were killed, black on black violence. And once they mapped our stress level, they said uh, these people ought to be incoherent <laughs> because on the on the pastoral scale that we have, you all are 17 out of 10. <laughs> and uh, I said, well, I felt good before this class, you know, you know. And, and, and there were some things I watched him do in that real class that, uh, that, that was similar to what was going on in South Africa with apartheid. And, and, and uh, back then, uh, they had an active Ku Klux Klan in the area. And, 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 mm-hmm. and Tim took some, uh, I mean, he just risked his whole ministry to, uh, to do what's right and, and to make sure that we could say uh, openly in churches in America what we were also uh, sort of combating because of the love of Christ for all people in, in South Africa. And, and and then as he moved down uh, near Jacksonville, across the river from Jacksonville, Florida, uh, Tim has built uh, a church that has embraced the world. And I think it would behoove us to let just Tim walk us through some of the things that the church uh, has attempted to do, what's worked well, maybe if there were some things that haven't worked well. And then I'd like to pick up some of the things that he might leave out because I want to tell you what yes looks like. Make sure if, if Tim, uh, for whatever reason, decides not to share that. So, Tim, uh, take us back to some of those early days. And I know uh, you all have worked in South America for years and 
And there's a lot of people that, that you've worked with besides <coughs> Ruth and I, but just um, what did you do uh, to as much as possible to be a church on mission with God at Fruit Cove? You know, I remember when we came in 1993, uh, the church, in fact, it was the Christmas season and the church um, had a had a high level of commitment to the Lottie Moon offering. They were very committed and for the size of church they were, they actually had an outsized goal for their for their Lottie Moon. Now, I found out later that there was an elderly couple in the church who did not have children, but who had a lot of money and uh, and they would make sure every year that the church met its goal. So whatever the whatever the shortfall was, they would make sure they hit it. So, uh, but it got covered every year. We had a wreath. We had a Christmas wreath that had lights on it. We'd turn the lights on, you know, whenever we'd get around. And that was about the level of mission commitment the church had. We were very committed to uh, to IMB missions and NAM missions. We were very involved in that. Uh, we had we had one uh, mission point somewhere out west. We had a guy living in a trailer, working in an Indian reservation, and we supported him in that ministry but there was no other international involvement anywhere we just hadn't done anything um i remember the first international project we did was with haiti uh, we were invited in 1995 i think was my first trip to haiti and we went over and and just looked at some areas um, and our church became very committed to to haiti. i mean we're close we were just next door neighbors so it was hard not to do that. Uh, we had some folks in the church who took that on as a personal mission point. So I, I did a couple of trips over to two or three times. I know there was one time that I went over as president of the Florida Baptist Convention, and they, they heard that the president had come from America, hmm. and uh, they, they threw a voodoo party in my honor at a camp right next door to our Baptist home there that we stayed in. Uh, and they and the, several goats died that night. Uh, we did not get any of the barbecue, but it was uh, it was quite a uh, it was quite an interesting event that was done in my honor. And uh, and they told me the goats are dying because of me. So that was that was really I was really you know. So it Haiti Haiti's been an interesting point. Uh, you know we've done a lot of Caribbean nation stuff just because we're right there. We're in Florida. You know it's just hard not to do that. So we've done you know we've done stuff with Cuba and, and those kinds of things and. And again, every time, here's what I've seen. Every time we get involved in something, somebody besides me takes it. Somebody says, this is mine. This is my thing. And so we leave that person and we let that person be the face of that ministry in the church. So you're, if you want to go to Haiti, you go see these people. If you want to go to Cuba, you go see those people. We have another team now that's done that in South, in Central America, in Antigua. Uh, and they, uh, they, they are fervent in their commitment to Antigua and that and uh, there's some Mayan folks around there that they take care of and it's just a, it's a great thing I don't do it I mean I went over one time two times maybe we built some houses did some stuff but they kind of took it and ran with it and uh, but my you know my most exciting thing uh, I'm, I'm gonna jump over a lot of stuff but uh, probably one of the most exciting things I've seen have, has happened recently and that is uh, when uh, I, I took a gentleman and I went over, a friend of mine named Don, Don and I went over to uh, Ethiopia. And he actually, 
I I was not planning to go. He was he actually invited me over to his house one night. He fed me steak, and then he said, "I think you're supposed to go to Africa." And I said, "I am." <laughs> he said, "Yeah." He said, and because I found out later that two of the other guys that were supposed to go with him couldn't go, and he didn't want to go by himself, so he said, "I think you should go with him." And I said, "Well, I'm not really kind of ready to go to Africa just now." He said, "I think you're supposed to go." So he so I went with him, and uh, we went over and. I said, all right, if I get in trouble, it's on you because this is your this is your trip. So uh, so he took it very, very personally. But I watched the Lord working in his heart over there. This is a good guy. Don is a great, great brother and deeply involved in the church in a lot of ways. But I want to tell you, I watched the Lord just break his heart for Africa over there. I watched him sit with Ken, you know, our friends Doug and Lita. And we sat in their house and Doug told his story and I just watched the Holy Spirit just go, okay. And he did a word. I mean, I'm sitting there watching. I'm just going, this is, this is insane. It's really was something. So, so Don is now the face of Africa for, so he's, you know, when we do Africa, I said, you're the guy, you're, you're the Africa guy. So, uh, so anything we do over there now is, is going through him. So we kind of station people in different, in different areas, different locales. Back home, we have a mission house. We we decided early on uh, we wanted to have a, a place of rest for missionaries because, again, uh, Nick and Ruth told us, hey, people are worn out. We need to be able to send people here to, to kind of heal up and, and get some rest and, and uh, to do some recovery time. And we try to, you know, we try to make it as pleasant as possible, as easy as possible. And, you know, we don't charge them anything. This is a house that we were able to buy and and uh, and just keep that. I wish we had a neighborhood full of them because I think we could probably keep them all full. But uh, but we've had some incredible experiences. It's opened doors for us to get into India, to go to uh, Southeast Asia, places that we had never really touched before, uh, as well as just you know doing what we can do to take care of the folks in the Horn. So it's been a you know it's just been great to be able to spread out that way and stretch out, do things that. You know, we, we have deep partnerships in Romania and Bulgaria and, you know, Eastern Europe. Uh, we have, uh, you know, we have some good friends now in the Middle East and and uh, certainly some really, really great folks in North Africa. And uh, so we've, you know, we've just got our folks spread out all over the place. We've seen people go on mission, uh, mission trips. We've seen people go as journey people. We've seen people go career. And it's just an incredible thing to watch. So. So it's been fun to see this, and the Lord's just taken us to the end, and and then recently sent me to the edge. So that was that was that's been my journey. So yeah. I remember, I remember uh, you told me that when you got back from this last trip, you told your church this was the first mission trip you've ever taken. Uh, what? What you know you what? I that? have, uh, again, I've been in a lot of different places. Uh, I, you know, I by no means traveled like you have, but I've been in a lot of different places short term. Most of the time we go, you know, we went, uh, uh, a friend of mine, uh, Neil Cordell and I went to Turkey a couple of years ago. We went to, to Istanbul and, and, you know, usually when we go into those places, we're treated as dignitaries. We're treated, uh, we're VIP treat, you know, we get VIP treatment. So we get we stay in nice motels. It just broke our hearts in in Istanbul when we we were staying in this really nice hotel. There was a Syrian family sleeping on the street, right next door to the, I mean leaning up against the wall of the hotel we were sleeping in. 
I mean, we could have we could have dropped stuff out the window and dropped it on them. I mean, they were right there, and they were you know they were this just part of the part of the collateral from the Syrian refugee crisis. And and uh, you know we went up, we emptied out our suitcases and our you know just everything we had, extra food stuff we brought, and took it down to these this five five members of the family. But we get treated really nice, and and I've been in some hard places, but I've been in hard places treated very nicely. Um, this was one of the few times that I have ever been in a, on a mission trip where I, first of all, uh, there were moments that I kind of actually feared for my life a little bit. And I thought, oh, I might die here. Uh, and uh, that was the first time I'd ever really had that thought cross my mind, even though even in the midst of the goat slaughter in, in Haiti and, uh, you know, going through the teenage uh, guards in, in Cuba and Havana. I still, I never felt like, okay, they, they might shoot me or, the, you know, the voodoo guys might get me. I never worried about that. But on this trip, I thought, this may not end well for me. <laughs> this could, this could, you know, we're going to some places here that uh, when you're driving past guys in pickup trucks with mounted machine guns on the back and you're going, okay, so we're, we're not playing anymore. You know, this is not, uh, this is not fun time. Uh, I got my first parasite. I'd never, I'd never been able to say I got in a parasite on a mission trip before, uh, and I have done that now, and I don't ever want to do that again. But I did at this time. Uh, we got dropped in situations uh, when we were uh, near the border of Somalia. We were in a marketplace. Uh, the uh, our hosts that were walking us, taking us around, basically uh, started a conversation with a with a guy that owned one of the bazaars there. You know, that ran one of the one of the bazaars there, we got in a conversation with him. We were showing each other pictures of our family and they walk off, the hosts walk off on us, just leave us there. You know, they left us. I mean, they just, we're, we're in the middle of this place. We don't speak the language. We don't know what to do, but we're sitting here having a conversation with this guy and they walk off and leave us. And, and I mean, like for 20 minutes, they're, they're gone. They're doing whatever they're doing there. You know, they had, they had a task when they were there. And they just left us standing there. So we talked about fishing. You know, we, we connected where we could with the brother. And a really nice guy, but it was just bizarre. I'm thinking, okay, we're in the middle of the end of nowhere, and you just walked off and left us. <laughs> so, so it was just, and, you know, there, we, we stayed in, uh, in, that, in that same area in a hotel that night. Um, that was an experience by itself. And it, we were staying it four was for something. Four it star. was for something. Uh, we came back the second night. Our bathroom had been ransacked, torn to pieces. No reason, no explanation. We couldn't even talk. I mean, we couldn't even speak to the people. They, they did not speak English. We didn't speak, you know, their language. We didn't speak Somali. Uh, and and it, was, it was just, wow. I mean, I, I, it, was, it was one of those places where I thought that I've never felt so um, alone. It was just alone. Just like, wow, this is. This is really what it must feel like sometimes to, to folks that go over there. You know, it's just like I'm the only, you know, I'm, I'm one of, you know, I'm one of five, you know, I'm, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a complete minority over here. And so it, it was, it, it was just all the experiences. You just go, oh, you know, I mean, everything from getting, getting sick on the food to, to uh, and, and then, you know, the airplane trip back was just its own nightmare. And, and it was just like, but I, I got back and I thought, okay, now I've been on a mission trip. You know, this was the real thing. I had never been on one before. I've been on some really nice trips 
in other countries and I've visited, you know, missionaries in other countries on those trips, but I have never like gone and been that immersed in the culture and felt that and felt the lostness of that felt that not just me being alone, but just, just, you feel the loss. You just feel it. You just go, man. And, and it's just everywhere you look, it was just unreal. So, so it was a, it was a, it was a very, very good experience for me. I mean, I'm glad I did it. Uh, I, I told when we got back, I said, I don't think I'll do that again for a little while, but that was, uh, that was a really, really, eye-opening moment for me so. and that family yes. that hosted you and yes raised they have four little girls unbelievable in that place unbelievable uh yeah and they're some of the strongest confident young ladies all in the world oh, and they themselves are, that i've they ever are met in my life their own show they they need their own reality show i mean they're just they're great they're so funny and uh, just sharp as they could be, man. Love the Lord, the whole family. It's just such an incredible thing to to see that in the middle of in the middle of that world, and that is not a world that's friendly to them. I'll tell you uh, that they made a home and a life there is unbelievable. It really is. Well, Pastor Tim knows uh, Anthony that our people generally have no place to pray mm-hmm. and no place to play, and we. Right. Like where he where he was, uh, they have to drive a day's uh, drive or, or get a bush plane and go to Addis and get another plane to fly to Dubai or, or Kenya or somewhere just to be able to go out to eat, uh, to go to a game park, uh, uh, again, to, to, to have somebody else uh, of their background to mm-hmm. worship with and, and, and to be, have a place for their for they as a family to uh, to play. And because of finances, uh, there was a time when Ruth and I were involved in leadership of all North Africa and the Middle East. And we can only get our people together once every three years. And and it costs around three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars uh, to bring everybody in. And we get a nice hotel there in Dubai. And then we asked Tim and Fruit Cove, uh, if they would uh, uh, come out and lead that, lead the worship. And, and I'd like for Tim to talk for a bit about that, because uh, for us, uh, that was a life-changing event. And I don't know if his praise team noticed or not, but it always happens. When when our people gather in a place like that, where they've had no place to play, play or pray, and, and their praise team starts singing, not a one of our people, join in mm-hmm. they're all weeping they're, they're they're on their face before the lord because for the first time in months if not years they've been able to experience corporate worship with people like themselves and not having to watch uh uh being careful about their words and so uh tim do you remember how many we brought people you i brought think out? we brought 35 i remember very clearly because i remember we had to clear we had wow. to clear 35 personal bags and 35 uh, bags full of contraband, which was, you know, Christian materials and different stuff that we were bringing into the country. And uh, I felt very responsible. You know, we had kids with us. We had youth with us. We had, you know, just everything we needed. Had all the VBS supplies. And, you know, we bought out a bookstore, brought that with us. And, uh, you know, just had all that stuff trying to get. And so they were, everybody was taking a personal bag through customs. And, a, and that bag. And my first moment of, pair of of absolute panic was 
man, if one of us, if they open one of those bags, we're in trouble. You know, somebody's going to get in trouble here. It's going to be bad. So I'm sitting here going through. We're getting ready to go through. Uh, you know, guys are sitting in there with their, you know, everything. I mean, it's just like, okay, here we are in the Middle East. Well, I mean, we're in the middle of it now. And we start to go through. And immediately, I mean, just before we got the first bag on the conveyor belt, this chaos began. And we looked behind us. And an, and an airliner filled with Pakistani people who were coming to work in Dubai had landed, and they flooded the uh, the, the passport area. And they just hustled out. They said, here, hurry, 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 get it. I mean, they just got us through to get us out of the way so they could begin to process that. So it was, it was. I just said, okay, Lord, you got this. Yeah, I mean, it was unbelievable. So, so we started there at it, but I'll tell you, it was the most meaningful week. I, I can't believe. I don't think I've ever had a more meaningful week. It was just, uh, just one thing after the other. We, I mean, we did baptisms in the swimming pool. Uh, we, we let, you know, missionary folks bear, uh, baptize their own kids. And we were creating a barrier around them to keep them from people, from people from in the pool. We had Somali, I mean, we Somali or Saudi sheiks and, and, and I mean, they, it was, we had Emiratis around, we had people around. We thought, well, we can't, they can't see what we're doing. So we were trying to make it look like we were just doing swim lessons with our kids. But it was, I mean, to do that, to, to be, to do a baptism in the middle of that. I mean, it was the most, it was the most biblical thing. I'm just going, this is just the real deal. But the worship was absolutely beautiful. We brought in, uh, we brought in a lot of folks to just, just give physical comfort and support, manicurists. We brought in physical therapists. We brought in all kinds of folks to kind of work with that. But uh, the worship was absolutely magnificent. And, you know, our, our worship team had worked really hard, but it was just, we, we could have sung, I think we could have just sung Amazing Grace a cappella, and the whole place would have been in tears. It was just, it was just beautiful. Because they, like Ken said, they just, they had not worshipped. They had not worshipped. And they had not been able to be corporately together in years. It was just an unbelievable, unbelievable experience. And then, uh, of course, I, one, of the, one of my funny memories there, um, our worship leader, Richard Thompson at that time, uh, I was preaching through, I was teaching through 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And uh, we, we'd gotten to the place where it talked about, you know, we're, we're just, you know, we're, we're earthen vessels, we're clay pots. And so he decided he wanted to decorate the stage with just some clay, you know, just some clay pots, just put them up on the stage, just to reinforce the theme of the night. So he went out, he hailed a taxi cab. He told the cab driver he was looking for pots. And he got taken to a back alley uh, where the gentleman was trying to help him locate some pot. Uh, and, and so, oh yeah, oh, it was a crisis. <laughs> why you are not already still in a Saudi Arabia jail? I do not know. I mean, why in the world? But that's, no, 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 not pot. I'm looking for pots, vessels. Oh, okay. So it was, uh, it was, I thought of all people to do that. He would do but it was, uh, he said, I just want to help you out. I said, yeah, okay. You can bail you out of jail, but. They brought a lot of. They brought. They brought suitcases yeah. and bags yeah. of yeah. treats and foods and 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 customs actually held those. And I went with a couple of staff members from uh, the church in this upper room, where women and men were reading the labels on every piece of candy 
every package of noodle. And it's amazing how many things might have an extract of pork oh, yeah, in yeah, them yeah, 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 for yeah, flavoring yeah. or something like that. And, 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 and I, and the guys were a little bit nervous, but I was just saying, listen, don't worry. All they're going to do is throw it in a trash can. You're not going to get in trouble for it. But uh, we, we went and stopped and, and they wanted to buy some coffee. We got in there and a couple of young men just started going after us. And, you know, uh, you know, just really a, about the whole thing between Christianity and Islam. And, and I just went ahead and shopped and, 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 and Tim's guys being the first time they experienced that they, they'd say, Nick, are we going to be all right? Nick, we need to get out of here. Nick, do we need to get in the taxi? I said, no, don't worry about it. And, and we finally checked out and, and, uh, uh, and they had told us uh, how much they hate our government and hate our president, which is a normal thing. You get that only 99.9% .9 of the time. And so as I'm checking out, uh, uh, one of the guys said, well, I guess you hate our government and you hate our leaders too. I said, no. No, uh, our, our Messiah tells us to, uh, and commands us to love uh, everyone, and, and we actually love this country. We love your people, and we pray for your leaders and love your leaders. And this older man, very old, stood up, and he said, uh, we're so ashamed. And he went and grabbed those young men by the shirt fronts and said, go home. Wow. I'll deal with you later. Wow. <laughs> and, wow. And, yeah, I'll deal with you later. And I, I told Tim's staff guys, you know, they thought, you know, it might be uh, a little bit of a problem. But I said, you know, this is just it's just, you know, you get two faith systems together. And 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 and, and especially when you got Gulf War stuff in the background, you, you're going to get this. But if you just remember uh, to love your neighbor and and. Uh, and to remember that Jesus served in an environment that was much worse than this, and and, and he carried it off, mm. and, and he modeled for us what to do. By the way, the reason we could go to a nice place like that when it was 110 to 120 degrees outside was because it's so hot, tourists don't usually come that time of the year, and we could rent out most of the hotel for a fraction of the cost. And uh, Anthony is so hot in the swimming pool that they refrigerate it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they refrigerate their huge Olympic sized pool. Wow. Otherwise you can't get in the water. It's too hot. I but, actually did not know that. And it's right yeah, on it, it was it, right it, on it, the just, Indian Ocean. And I'll I mean, tell you what just, you know, you have the pool and then right beyond that would be Yes. So it was Yeah. It's blood wow. warm. Mm -hmm. It's blood warm in the water of the ocean and blood warm in in, in the pool, but Every time that Ruth and I have come home, and sometimes in between that, uh, uh, Fruit Cove, Tim, would lead them, and they would rent a condo uh, on, the, on the east coast of Florida and give us a vehicle if we didn't have one, uh, give us tickets to Disneyland for the boys, uh, give us a rental car, uh, give us money for our pockets. And any time, any time for 30 years, if I called uh, Tim in the church and said, listen, we're sending somebody home that you don't know and they don't know you. And I don't need them to know about this phone call, but they've given everything they've got and they have nothing left to give. And Tim would call them when they got back to the States.
and say, we've heard about your service. Uh, we, we know what you do and, and we're going to send you and your family uh, plane tickets to Florida. Uh, we've rented a condo on the ocean for you. Uh, we're going to give you keys to a rental car. We're going to give you $500 per family member uh, to spend. And we're going to give you tickets to the results around here. And if there's anything else you need, uh, we've got it for you. And you can imagine people have given themselves uh, to the Lord in places where there's no place to pray and no place to play. And a church just just contacts them out of nowhere mm. and says, we've heard of what you've done. Uh, let us come and love on you. And that's the kinds of things that Tim has led Fruit Cove to do uh, the whole time. Well, and, and let me, and you know, let me say this it's too. It's been a, wow. I mean, I, the church has, I've never in 30 years ever had a moment where the church has pushed back and said, no, we can't do that. Uh, they have all, they have always been, I, sure, let's do Incredible. it. You know, again, we're, you know, they, it's, it wasn't hard to lead that. I didn't have to lead around anything. You know, it was just like, Hey, this is what we need. Can we do? Yes. It was just like everything that, that we would be asked to do. The church would go, let's do it. You know, somebody needs to do it. We let's do this. And uh, so I've always been very grateful. The church has been incredibly wow. willing and generous and, and, uh, you know, I mean, we all wish we could have done more even, but it's still, you, I'm grateful to get to be a part of a church that, that was just a yes church. A, yeah, yeah, we'll do it. You know, we can do that. And, you know, the Lord just keeps pouring it back in. <laughs> you give it away and he pours more back in. You go, okay, well, we'll give this away too. So, so uh, we'll see what happens. But. You're coming up on 30 years and, uh, of pastoring Fruit Cove Baptist Church and and uh, just watched you finish just like you do everything else, finish in the grace of God. What's next for you, brother? Well, today is uh, technically, uh, in fact, I just walked out of the office for my on my last day and came in and sat wow. down for this podcast. So that's how fresh I am off the vine. So we'll see. Uh, the, uh, my plan right now, I'm going to take about a month off and just kind of, you know, recalibrate and pray. And I've got some trips planned here and there. Um, and, you know, we've had conversations about me coming back in just to do, you know, we have a, a ministry called The Cove that's a counseling center, so I'll probably work with that some. I want to do member care. I want to do, and, and you know, and that's uh, uh, one of my goals of something to explore. Uh, again, our friends, the Cordles who have gone to uh, member care have, have encouraged me to have some conversations with with the board about that so i probably will and just see what that looks like i don't know how i don't know when you age out ken at the board i'm not sure what you know what that looks like but uh, i guess it probably depends on how much you know i, I don't know how but uh where you're going or whatever but uh but you know i've, I've loved well, we I've, had a I've always appreciated the opportunity to get to love on missionaries and you know that's just been part of part we of had an 83 year we, we had a 83-year-old nurse show up at the airport okay. in a wheelchair in Nairobi to go into Somalia in the middle of the famine and civil war. Okay. And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, what in the world am I going to do? And I got her in the taxi going home <laughs> and, uh, and got on, you know, friendly bases real quick. And, and I said, Grandma, 
you couldn't walk off the plane <laughs> and they had to bring you out in a wheelchair. You want to go inside to Mogadishu? She said, honey, I'm just really stiff. In, in a couple hours, I'll loosen up and I'll be able to walk okay. And, and she said, I've been on 37 mission trips. And, and I told God, if I could just go on one more, I'd be ready to go to heaven. I said, but darling, I don't want you to go to heaven for Mogadishu. <laughs> And and we talked about it and prayed about it. You know what? I got her on a U.S. Air Force C-130 transport plane. I had to, I had to, we had to pull her from one end and push her from the other, and and got her into the team house, and got her on the third floor where our offices were. And for two weeks, we let her pack drugs into thirty-five millimeter canisters and creams and things, and she never left the team house. And and so wow. then after the two weeks, we took her back to the airport and helped her get on the plane. And and my wife took her off at the other end and <laughs> kept her that night and fed her, helped her shower. And she got on the plane and flew back. And I haven't heard from her since then. Oh, so I guess wow. she might have got, got a wish. She fulfilled her dream. Yeah, I was say. But I just thought I said, wow. I just told her, I said, darling, grandma, I don't <laughs> I don't want you to go to heaven on this trip. <laughs> please don't. You know? Please don't go on my time. Please don't go on my. Yeah, on my this watch. this this won't work well, and <laughs> and so anyway, after that, we rewrote requirements for people coming yeah. out. They had yeah. to be able to do uh, five deep knee bends. <laughs> they had to be able to climb a step ladder, and you know a few physical okay. things yeah. that they had to do, and uh, so uh, we wouldn't get in a situation that. Uh, you know, when you have to get out of Dodge, you got to be able to move, yeah, yeah, you know, yep, and, yep. uh, but anyway, fast. if you, if you had, uh, before I got cut off, uh, if you were starting over, Tim, now that you've had these years to do all the great things that God has done, but in regard to, uh, let's just, let's just talk my world overseas missions. What would you do? Anything different? I would go more. I would, I would take more trips. Um, I would uh, probably drag my kids along more and let them see it. And, uh, mm. you know, I mean, I didn't do that much because I, I didn't always feel necessarily secure and safe to do it. And I just thought, I'm not sure if I want to, you know, I, I don't know where they're, what we're getting into here. So I'm not going to pull them into it, but, but, uh, I, I think I would have been more personally. I, I think it's really important for the leadership to to kind of actually be, you know, they, they say biblical kings uh, were not figureheads. When, when a king went to war, he was at the front of the line leading the army. Mm. And I think that's a key to leadership and missions. I think the, the pastor needs to be in the front of the line leading the army. If you want the army to go, you can't sit home on your porch and go, well, why don't you go do that? Uh, they have to see that you get, you went, you care enough to, you cared enough to go and see that place that you're going to send to, to send people to. And, and of course, I, I, you know, that's not been a problem for you because you have just, I mean, there's, there's no place you wouldn't go and there's no place that you, you know, I mean, I just know you're going to, you're going to end your life without ever seeing nearly the percentage of places you want to see. But uh, I have not been as much of a, you know, travel has not always been my favorite thing to do. So 
Uh, I haven't had quite that passion that you've had, but, but I've got it more now, uh, you know, for some reason, I'm just thinking, you know, I mean, I kind of really came to terms with that. I, I kept my, uh, my insanity of God brace along through the whole trip, you know, the whole time to, in Ethiopia and I haven't taken it off uh, because I just thought, you know what, is Jesus worth it? Yeah. Yeah. I, and, and, and I, you mm-hmm. know, if we're not, uh, if we're not willing to put our money where our mouth is on that, then we might as well, you know, we don't have anything to say back home either. So, so I think it's important for leaders to get out. I think guys, I think pastors need to get out on the field. I think they need to go. And I would go more. I would just go, I would, you know, we have, we have something, we have some missionary point, some missionary uh, uh, person, some, some church location, someplace on every continent on the planet, except Antarctica. Wow. Someplace where you could go somewhere on that continent and say, Fruitcoe Baptist Church, and they know, okay, well, they know you were here. You know, and I, my, my, my vision was too small when I started. I thought about, you know, wow, I'd love to see us, you know, do this in Florida and do this. And, you know, maybe, oh, yeah, we can reach all the way to Haiti and Cuba, 90 miles away. Um, and, and then it started expanding to the point, And then I realized, you know, we need to be on every continent. You know, Jesus sent us to every continent, not just, not just uh, the convenient ones. And uh, we've still, we've actually had an arrangement to get mm-hmm. on to Antarctica. Uh, to go to one of the science, one of the, to want to work at one of the science stations there for a summer, uh, they wanted some college students to come and actually lead, kind of like a vacation Bible school thing for their kids, for the scientist kids in Antarctica, and we have been negotiating that, just trying to go because they they said you know I said that's the last continent I, I would I mean I would love to see that we've got something on all seven you can go to any seven any one of the seven continents and go. Something. Fruit Cove's done something here. We've sent missionaries here. We've had a trip here. We've had, you know, some kind of a missionary point here that we've worked with. So, so, you know, and I just think I wish if every church would just go, you know, it's not just guys, it's not just your state. It's not just your city. It's not just your county. It's the world. Jesus sent us to the world and to the nation. So. Mm. Tim, let me, I want to, if you don't mind, mm-hmm. let me ask you a question because <clears throat> I don't know if we got to, to drill down on it a lot, but you you just completed about an hour ago <laughs> about 30 mm-hmm. years of ministry and you mentioned earlier you said that when you got there in 1993 the the church's mission participation was essentially giving yeah. to which, which, which is, Lottie Moon which is to, yeah which is great say, yeah. i mean it wasn't they weren't it wasn't you know it wasn't they weren't tipping i mean they were actually investing and doing so with that but that's incredible. But, but what I, what I'm interested in, in learning, and maybe if there, there may not be a single catalyst or Mm -hmm. a single route to it, but you look from 1993 to 2023 and you go from, we give generously to mission offerings to we've got people in work on almost seven continents. Now, what was the catalyst to change that culture? Because it's not just, it doesn't seem like you are dragging them along. You've got people who are willing participants jumping in being obedient, involved, giving, going. How did you change that culture I, uh, from 1993 to 2023? I, I put the guy on the other screen on the platform. You see this guy over here, this Nick Ripken guy. When he, <laughs> I put him in front of the people. And, and when they went, they heard his passion. They heard his heart. They understood his sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And they went, okay, we'll, we'll do this. And, and it kind of went from there. You know, it, wow. really, it really did. I mean, and, and, and simultaneously, we were also 
you know, we were we were doing some work with the Florida Baptist Convention, who was just then starting to get involved in Haiti and doing some work there. So, you know, we kind of walked in on that, too. So we had what we started was kind of a tier of mission trips. You know, I wouldn't I would not send somebody on a first time trip to Ethiopia. There's no way I'd do that because because they would never go back to any kind of mission work again. So, you know, we try to do local stuff. We've done Haiti. Haiti's close to us now. But we've, you know, we'll send people to uh, Guatemala, to Antigua, uh, to Ecuador, you know, those kind of, I mean, Central America, South American places that are not really dangerous. I mean, they're not always, they're not always easy, but they're not really dangerous kind of spots. So they come back with, okay, we can do this. You know, I mean, and that's where a lot of people need to be. Just first step up. Can we, can I actually pull this off? Yes. I went on a mission trip. I got, I got a passport. I actually left the country and went and did something and helped people in another mm. culture. And that was, that was great. What's next. And now you start moving them up. You know, we can move our kids up easier. Our kids, our college students, they'll go anywhere. They'll do anything, whatever you want them to do. They'll go, you know, they'll just, they'll follow you. Hey, we're going to go there. Okay, great. Well, I'm in, you know, I want to go. So, I mean, I've had a really, really strong, willing, uh, you know, participation in that area. Uh, we've got, you know, several kids that are right now preparing to go career missions and, you know, and that's great to see. I mean, that's been the old, that's the eight, that's the ring the bell. You know, if we can actually get people to say, yes, we'll go. So we've had several couples, several families that have gone career. And that's been, you know, that's the, that's the, you know, that's the, the high point. But, you know, to be able to get people wow. to go into the hard places and go, okay. So, you know, I mean, I came back from, you know, the, the other thing I came back from Somalia and I, you know, and it changed, and I, I didn't have a particularly, negative view of the Somali people. I didn't, I mean, I wasn't like anti, just, oh, you know, I just, you know, I, I didn't, I really didn't. Hmm. But uh, even, you know, e- even though I wasn't so turned against, you know, my face was not turned against them in any way. The time over there with them changed my perspective of the entire people group entirely. Now, I know hmm. there's crazy fringe people in every group and and, you know, and they're there. You know, you, you get a bunch of cock guys going, you know, I mean, it's it's going to be it's going to get interesting. But but I'm just sitting here watching these people. And I'm going, these are people. I mean, they're they're trying to raise their kids. They're trying to buy food. They're trying to you know feed their families. They're trying mm-hmm. to do the stuff. They're people, you know. And and when I found out that uh, the word Somalia and Somali uh, means go milk. And, and you know, basically go mm-hmm. milk. Uh, Go milk a cow, you know, go, go milk a cow because we have company, no. we have, you know, it's hospitality. They're, they're it, hospitable, you know, it's usually go milk a, a camel. camel. Okay. Go milk. I'm sorry. It's usually go I'm milk sorry. a I'm, camel. I'm still from yeah. Kentucky, mm-hmm. but yeah. So go milk a camel, you know, go, yeah. milk, go milk the camels because we, you know, somebody came to see us. So go milk the camel. So I'm going, you know, great day. This is crazy. Why are we, you know, it's just, it's just insane how we, how we uh, turn against people in this way. But it was, it just like even changed back, changed my perspective. I came back. I will never. Think about Somali people the same way again. I won't. I'm just going. Oh wow! Yeah, that's these people. You know. They, you know. I see that shopkeeper who showed me pictures of his kids on his cell phone. I'm thinking, wow. <laughs> He's just a guy. He's just a guy with kids. You know. And and what a cute. Yeah. And that's what you do. Showing him my yeah. granddaughter, and he was showing me, you know, his kids. And and uh, so anyway, it was. Mm-hmm. You know. And, so those kind of those kind of experiences. They change your they change your perspective, but it changes your giving. It changes what you're willing to support, 
it changes your understanding of why you're a Christian, what you're supposed to be doing. Mm. You know, now I get it. Now I don't sit home and, and, you know, and just, you know, want to go to the next Bible study and get a notebook full of stuff. I want to see somebody go. I want to see somebody go to the nations and it, it changes a lot about you. So. Wow. This uh, this week, we entertained a family of six. Now, Tim was just with uh, this guy's parents in Addis Ababa. And uh, they have done uh, windmills, water wells, all over the Horn of Africa and some of the toughest places anywhere that for anybody does. And now uh, his son, uh, well, let me back up, his father... Uh, was on the first volunteer trip that ever came to serve with us among the Somali people. And his father wow. went to church, and, and his wife's been praying for years for him to step up, didn't sing, didn't pray, didn't do devotions with his family. He came out on that first Somali team and went back home after 10 days, and they asked him to give a 10-minute testimony. He had never spoken in church before, and 45 minutes later, he's still talking, mm. and they're asking, uh, who is this man, and what have you done with Doug? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and it changed his life and entirely. And this week, his son, his daughter-in-law, and their four <laughs> grandchildren sat around our table, and they have just finished uh, 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 seven weeks of training at our learning center and they are driving uh, 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 across uh, the West. He's going to a water well convention to learn how to repair uh, motors on windmills wow. and in about three weeks they'll get on an airplane with those four kids from uh, the oldest is 10, the youngest is 6, uh, two boys and two girls and they will go to Addis Ababa, and he's gonna. When his dad retires, they will rather than his dad and mom going home to be with them and their grandchildren, their son and daughter-in-law and their grandchildren are going to take their place in Ethiopia, uh, continuing providing living water and and real water uh, for the peoples of the Horn of Africa, and 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 those kids. This is their first trip overseas. Wow. Now, now, Tim had the real experience. We almost never encourage people <laughs> to come to the Horn of Africa for two weeks because everybody's going to get a stomach bug. They're going to get a parasite mm -hmm. and they're going to be sick for two weeks and they're going to say, <laughs> I'll never go back there. We, we need them. We need them for almost six months to a year because most of our people are going to have stomach problems, serious stomach problems for six months to a year in Ethiopia. Mm. And, and then things settle down and, and you get acclimated to it. But to watch this godly family turn over 20 some years of ministry that goes back to the first uh, Somali volunteer trip in 1994. Wow. And turn it over to his son, daughter-in-law, and four grandchildren uh, will give you goosebumps mm. and make you weep. Man, mm. man. And as we prayed with them around our kitchen table and held each one of those children individually and blessed them to get on an airplane, now a week from now, was two weeks from now, 
and they're going to fly 30 hours uh, uh, to be with his mother and daddy in Addis Ababa and then to take over that ministry when their mom and dad retire uh, is just an awesome thing to see a first generation and a second generation family follow each other in the type of work that Tim went to visit. Wow. Unreal. Unreal. Now the question is that Tim and I talk about all the time, Anthony, we talk about it on this podcast is how do we raise our sons and daughters and how do we raise people up in our churches that can go across the street and across the oceans and just be obedient uh, to do there what they're doing here, of course, the, the environment's going to be a lot tougher, uh, but the persecution's going to be the same. The rejection's going to be the same. The need for eternity is the same, mm. whether it's across the street or across the oceans. And I looked, I looked, Tim, at those four young kids, thinking about our two grandkids, and I thought, now I took two kids and had a third kid in Africa. I don't know if I could sit in America and watch my grandkids and get on a plane with my son and my daughter in love and go do what we did and not go with them. And yet my body can't make the trip now. Mm. The, uh, going is easy. Sending is the hardest thing anybody can do. Pastors and church people and moms and dads and grandparents have the hardest job because sending is the hardest job on earth. Yep, I've mm. still got holes where uh, we we sent people out, and it cost us. It's cost us. So it does. It does. It does. Yes. The money, mm -hmm. you know, money costs you, but you know, you can get more money. But you lose good people, you go, wow. I mean, you don't get those back. So, so it's a it's a different thing. But it's all good. It's all good. Yeah. Mm. Oh, well, man, Tim, thank pleasure. you, buddy. I enjoyed it. Look forward to anything. It. Don't 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 walk away from us without any other word of well, wisdom. Well, you, you know, might I don't have. know that I have any more. I uh, um, again, I it, it's I've I've got to I've got to kind of explore out loud with somebody what's next as far as you know. I mean, people say, "What are you going to do next?" I don't really have a you know like a, a document or an assignment or uh, you know. I, I'm going to be obedient, I hope, whatever that next is, and it, that next may be, let's go overseas, you know, and, and that's, and I'm fine if that's the case, I, okay, let's do it. I, uh, you know, so I'm kind of, kind of, uh, I'm excited to see what's next for me, and I, uh, man, I'm just praying that uh, we can, we can pass along to the new pastor that uh, this is who this church is, and this is what we want to continue to be. And that I believe, I believe he's going to hear that and mm. want to want to continue to walk in that in that direction. So, uh, because uh, as I've told people all along, I said, you know, there's a lot of people that really depend on fruit going. There's a lot of a lot of ministry points that that we have helped kind of stay, you know, keep them alive on some different levels, and and we can't stop that. We have to keep doing that. We have to keep going and have to keep mm. moving out. So. So anyway, I, I'm hoping that'll continue, even though I'm, I'm not going to have a whole lot of say in that. That's still, uh, I think, my heart, my, my desires to see that happen. So, mm. Wow. Pastor Tim, we really do appreciate uh, your time, and I'm so glad uh, 
all those 80 years ago. I'm just kidding. Not that long ago that you and Nick were in a seminary class together. And for all these years, it seems like your your time's coming, Bubba. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. I feel it every day. Right. (laughs) But uh, what I do want to leave our listeners with again you touched on it several times. I know this is one of the reasons that Nick wanted to to have you on and to not only share your wisdom and insight, but to remind our listeners as they listen to this, as they go back into their churches, we have a lot of pastors. Uh, Nick, I forgot to even update you. I think we're at 86 different wow. countries wow. Uh, who have wow. people tuning in to witness and persecution every week. It's, it's all over the globe. And so it's not just the United States, it's all over the world. And what we want people to hear Uh, One of the big things that we want them to take away from this episode is how integral the church is and needs to be to supporting people overseas, to caring for them, to making that sacrifice. And Nick, I know you said this in in the digital training series that we're going to be coming out with this year. You said a lot of times, but uh, we our churches, if you're sending people, you need to be sending people out to visit them, to take care of them, to bring them in, to provide for them. Uh, and Fruit Cove is such a, an amazing example of what that looks like for the church to be the church as you send and you go to the nations. And so we do want our listeners to really kind of just sit in that for a little bit. And, and, and as a takeaway, go back to your churches and think, how can we sacrifice more? How can we serve more? How can we help those who are overseas, who we've sent, who are overseas workers? How can we bless them, serve them, take care of them? I love the relationship that that you two have had and that you've had with this church over these last 30 years, because that is, uh, in, in my view, that is the uh, standard that churches should aspire to, to take care of those who are overseas and those they're sending and those who are going. And so we thank you for yeah, your obedience to show us that over these last decades of what a church you know, I, I think, and can I, and do. I'm grateful. I'm grateful that the IMB offerings seem to be going well, and I'm grateful for Paul's uh, leadership, but. You know, I'm also, you know, I, I want to, I talk to pastors sometimes and I say, okay, you do Lottie. That's great. And what do you do? What's your and, you know, there's, there's gotta be, what else you doing? That's, that's great. I'm glad you're doing Lottie. I hope you do and you need to, but uh, you know, we've struggled for years with how do you personalize, how do you get, how do you get Lottie moon personalized to people where they're going, okay, it's, it's, yes, we got to give to that. We got to support with this level of mission giving, but we also need to be going. How do we do that? How do we go? How do we stand with these people? So, so again, you, you know, you're blessed to have a friend like Nick mm. that can come in and just uh, set your church on fire and walk off and then watch it burn. Uh, you know, then uh, you'll do all right. That's what you got to have. So. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Tim, Nick, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, just incredible words of wisdom, incredible insight. Uh, to our listeners, again, we pray that this has been not only beneficial, but you can take uh, a lot of stuff from it and you can take it to your churches or take it to those around you and say, let's let's get going. Let's get the ball rolling on doing some of these things uh, to bless the nations and to send and to go and to pray Amen. more effectively. Thank you for tuning in today. This has been Witness and Persecution, and we will be with you next time.